Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. to be reckoned with on the multifamily circuit. She is doing tons of positive things in the multifamily community to empower women and involve them in many different processes to help better their lives personally and professionally and bring them into entrepreneurship, passive income, and bring all kinds of exciting opportunities. Definitely see the show notes for all the ways to follow her and see all the resources that she offers to help out with the multifamily community and to help get women engaged in that space and that asset class. Uh, we got a little bit of a technical difficulty at the end, so the interview gets cut off a little bit. We don't really get to wrap it up as nice as we usually do, but we still get a good solid interview in there. Uh, I'll button it up at the end. Definitely don't forget, this episode is brought to you in part by Nationwide Business Capital Group. If you need money for your real estate deals, whether it's residential deals, fix and flips, buy and holds, commercial deals, multifamily, bridge loans, whatever it is, you can get some of the most competitive rates and terms from Mariana Nationwide Business Capital Group. So just go to nicknicknick.com slash links and under affiliates, you will see a direct link to contact Marianne. Tell her the A-Game podcast sent you over. If you are brand new and scared, don't be. Just call her up and say, hey, I want to get into real estate. I figure one of the first things I need to do is get some money. What kind of money can you give me? And she will start that process for you. If there's also links on there for discounted CBD for starting a conversation. If you guys are looking to hire VAs, you can reach out to Reef Global. And you can also, if you're looking to start and brand your podcast, a really good course with Zachary Babcock, two-time guest of the show. All those affiliate links are on there. I'll start building them out so you guys have references for any of the things that for the guests that we've been on, you have a direct connection. Once you get that going, if you would like to do some real estate together, whether it's, whether it's buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or find a way to work together on some sort of partnership, I would love that. 2022, that is the goal, is to get into deals with as many of you as humanly possible as I step up uh, my game by contacting people and having those conversations. Go to nicknicknick.com slash links for all the ways to follow me on all social media, as well as all the ways to subscribe and listen to the A-Game podcast. It really helps. Please subscribe. Please follow us and engage on social media. It makes a big, big difference. And lastly, but first, certainly not least, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for a free checklist on how to bring more values to your buyers as a wholesaler, syndicator, uh, fix and flipper, whatever it may be, a real estate agent, real estate broker, this should be a good resource for you. So I appreciate everybody listening. Hope everybody has a great week. We're starting to run down uh, December now. So um, you know, looking forward to just picking it up. So as you start to have some downtime, start to look into the new year, you're looking to really make a difference and get those resolutions in place. Let's start to have some conversations now during this month of December to figure out how to start out quarter one of 2022, doing some real estate together. It doesn't matter if you have never done real estate before or you're a seasoned pro, we have all kinds of different ways we can work together. So please reach out and um, yeah, just uh, went back to New York. So some people over there got some jujitsu in uh, I got to see my dad for his birthday, so that was awesome, hung out with my brother, uh, so just had a good time, got to see some family, got to play with my dog, Ralph, who I love very much, so, uh, you know, I hope everybody else had a lot of the same, and is getting to enjoy the holidays a little bit, and just uh, getting to be appreciative of some of the people and the things in their life that they experienced, 
on a positive note when it's been a bit of a negative year. So hope everybody's doing good, pulling through mentally, pulling through physically, financially, emotionally, all that good stuff and uh, finishing the year strong and looking forward to a positive and productive and profitable 2022. Thank you, Kayla McMahon, for coming on. I appreciate you sharing uh, her. Oh, I didn't get to talk to her about her trip, but if you look at her Instagram, she went and she traveled all over Europe and she shared some amazing uh, pictures and videos of stuff like staying in a hotel room right across that beautiful church in Milan and Italy and just went around. I really wanted to talk a little bit more about that, but we didn't get into it. But next time we will, we did cover all this stuff, real estate. So hopefully you guys get some value from this. Leave a review, podcast at nicknicknick.com or on our Facebook group. Let me know any questions you have. I'm happy to answer them on the podcast. I'm going to do some more solo episodes to answer your questions and bring you some value with the, as a listener. So thank you for your support. Thank you for a great year. Thank you for killing the man. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is an entrepreneur and author of the Women in Multifamily Real Estate. She's a podcast host and a real estate investor as well as a world traveler as of recently. Definitely check out her Instagram in the show notes. She is on a mission to create over 1 billion female she-investors, and she's specializing in empowering women through investment opportunities, and she is a absolute breath of fresh air on social media. She is kicking butt, taking names, and is a force in the multifamily real estate. After selling over $3 million in residential, this has become her focus, and we are here to talk about all things Kaylee McMahon. Welcome to the the A-Game Investing Podcast. Hey, Nick, thank you for having me. I want to make sure that people don't have to listen to my dog sing songs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it, Um, and I guess I'm ready to, to answer or to help out your audience in any way I can. Well, I appreciate you getting on. I know you just came back from a long trip, so I definitely want to talk about that and uh, some of the similarities there. But first and foremost, talk a little bit about where you come from, who you are, a little bit about your background and how you fell into real estate. Um, a little bit about who I am and where I come from. Um, I uh, come from um, a family that doesn't really have a, a traditional or I guess what people would would want for a, a structure of support. Um and I'm not saying that that is something that makes me weak in any way. It's actually, I think, um, made me have a lot of uh, grit and a lot of resiliency as far as when it goes to now having a professional career in multifamily real estate. Uh, and I think a lot of the reasons why I enjoy being an entrepreneur is because I've had to you know, fight for everything that I have and there's nothing I have that's come easy. Uh, so that's a lot about you know, kind of where I came from. Um, and then now, as far as what I'm building, uh, that's something that now I've realized how I've built something for myself. And so now I'm able to translate that and to teach other women how to do the same thing for themselves and to be able to use um, a vehicle of real estate to be your uh, platform, if you want, or even just your vehicle to get to the next place in life uh, to be able to have freedom of time, uh, freedom of mind, freedom of uh, time is really it because unfortunately what I learned is that time is a man-made construct that really isn't doesn't exist like it's not water it's not wind it's not air it's not the sun you know time is something that we uh, allow to control us and we made it up literally so if you're able to be free from that restriction I mean you can then do whatever it is that you want and that's kind of where I've been able to get myself to I'm having enough to cover my expenses and some cash flow. That's outstanding. And being that you have that entrepreneurial spirit, we were talking a little bit about your book and your podcast and your app and your ventures and your travel. So you're obviously touching on a lot of different things. And you have that spirit. Was there other things that you tried prior to settling and focusing specifically on real estate? Yeah. So um, I'd say that what I wanted to do or thought was my path in life was to be a dentist. And uh, when I tried to get into dental school, 
it didn't work. It didn't work again. And so it's kind of like, well, here's your sign, you know, and, and at the time, of course, you're thinking that you're a failure or whatever, but in life, I think there's no failures. You know, you either learn a lesson or you win, you know? So in that situation, it was learning a lesson. I think that um, that wasn't the path for me. My friends that did succeed in doing that for a living, um, I would not want their life, you know, that they have now. So um, I guess that's that's kind of part of um, part of the the lesson of uh, what was your question again? Yeah, what are the adventures and entrepreneurial things that you tried before you started focusing in on real estate? That was the lesson to to be that that was not my thing, you know. And so then it was like, okay, well, what do we try? And I wish that in high school or in college that everyone would be uh, able to use the Gallup Strength Finder test because that was something that I finally got introduced to uh, after I tried being in the dental world as a salesperson and then been in advertising sales and tried a little bit of random stuff. Uh, but it taught me, hey, your strength, Kaylee, uh, number one in, in that test, I, at least was telling me that um, I am always learning. I'm a lifetime learner. And so if I'm in any position that is on an assembly line where you're doing the same thing every day or that you're repeating the same things and you don't have any kind of variety in your work, then I'm going to figure the system out in three months I'm going to get really good at it and I'm going to get bored and I'm going to leave. And so that's kind of what all the things that I did before getting introduced into the real estate realm were for me uh, and real estate for the most part, uh, as far as residential, when I was in that, um, it's pretty easy to figure out if you will, not, not easy, but once you figure it out, you're like, okay, it's just a repeatable system, uh, but you're still on that hamster wheel trying to feed yourself. You know what I mean? It's not something that can ever help you to slow down or to get off that man-made kind concept constructive time and be able to enjoy whatever it is that is important to you. Um, and so I guess uh, real estate was the way to look at more than just residential real estate. I realized was also uh, involved, like it, you're also involved in investments if you want to be, but what does that mean? There's so many different things that you can build, buy, flip, um, lease out. Uh, there's so many different things that you can do to create cash flow, uh, specifically with commercial real estate. And so then that's kind of where I, I got to because it just made sense as to the lifestyle that I put on my vision board or the lifestyle that I wanted was to eventually in the next now, you know, four years or so to be able to kind of fade into the background and, you know, put these ladies forward as leaders in our, in our businesses um, and not just businesses in their lives too, to be able to move overseas to Europe is, is I think my, my path, but you can't, you can't do that by being active, earning income every day. There's, there's no way. So it just, you know, did a couple of things, learned a lot. And then now even in commercial real estate, what I was going to say was that it's, it's endless that especially in, even in just apartments and in, in the niche of going through like COVID or going through uh, building supplies changing because of supply and demand or regulations with the type of loans that we can use or there's there's stuff that's changing every freaking week and so I'm never bored and I've not been able to stop learning since I got into it at this point we do have a general um structure if you will of like how how to do a deal how to do a tenant in common how to raise money like certain systems are pretty repeatable but for the most part the market itself is never um static so I've, I haven't been bored yet um, so that's kind of that, that pathway of little jobs where I learned and got bored. And then this is something so far I haven't gotten bored with. I love that. I say that all the time too, that residential real estate funds, the reality and commercial real estate funds, the dream, because it really is, like you said, it's transactional, but that, 
that'll get you walking around money that'll get you out of the rat race. But the really the, yeah. the big money comes from the commercial. So I love the transition there. I had a, a similar path. But when you were doing residential, like what types of, of transactions were you doing? And what was it initially that clicked in here that you said, aside from what, like the processes, but was there something that you were like, okay, I've had enough of this. This is the deal. Or this is the person that really like when it clicked for me, the commercials where I want to focus now. Um, I think so. So I it was really peep. So everything in life is is about people, you know, uh, and you'll never forget the way that someone makes you feel. And that really is sometimes part of our path or that why that you run into is am I going this way? Or am I, is the why dividing that way or left or right, you know? <laughs> so what happened for me was that in residential real estate, I actually started in leasing and got pretty good at it, hired an assistant, was able to kind of replicate myself. But then that was the end all be all. And I was like, this is not it, you know? And so then it, I got board and transition from each thing. Okay, let's go to condos. Okay, let's go to houses. Okay, let's go to luxury homes. Okay, let's go um, uh, then into learning that you could actually like flip and do things to houses that have nothing to do with retail. It's um, being an investor. So then I got into being a broker and being an investor and I really hated it. I really didn't <laughs> like that. I couldn't replicate because in my mind I had read Rich Dad Poor Dad and I was like, so what we're going to do here guys is literally figure out how many doorknobs a room needs, how many, you know what I mean? Like, stuff that I can make a repeatable procedure for and do 10 to 15 of these a month and then have a company that self-runs itself. So I wanted a company that self, self-ran itself, but uh, really just uh, the, the single family world, uh, the moment I guess that I had, there was a couple times where in residential, I was very curious about commercial real estate and investing. And I kept getting shut down by different people. Like, why do you ask so many questions? And you're annoying. And uh, oh my God, the people that are in, um, investing are crooks like all of them are they you know because, because there's just two different lenses here you know someone that doesn't understand that there's different ways to make fees that are not a commission uh but there's so there's definitely ways to get paid sometimes way more than a commission but um but anyway they looked at it in a certain light where they thought that okay you're dealing with a buyer that's wanting a cheap property so therefore like i don't want that but anyway there's so many other ways to either be involved in that deal moving forward into the future, or again, like I said, like uh, assignment fees, like there's so many different you know, fees that you can make doing, doing deals. So I was curious as to why I was being shut down. And so in that moment, then I went and started searching, okay, what does investment mean in real estate then? Like how, how does this work? And it started with flips and understanding on a residential scale. And then the same, um, it was Propelio actually a network that taught me uh, all the things, you know, node investing, uh, RV park investing. I mean, just the whole gamut of different opportunities that were out there and they had a free investor funded education network and actually one of the investors who was funding the education network I was very impressed with because he spoke one night and um, I just knew because of the way that this person understood other people and the way that they just understood how life works and understood how to treat people well and they were involved in a vehicle where they were able to do that every day and sort of use their celebrity for good I was like, bam, that, that's me right there in five years. And so the first moment was, why are people questioning me and holding me back for wanting to understand why investing in uh, residential are different, you know, pros, cons, et cetera. Like, why are you telling me just, you don't need to know that's not okay with me. And then at the other end of it, you know, finding somebody that really understood people and how to treat people well, being involved in this industry, both of those were turning points and making that decision to eventually get me here. That's excellent. And that blows me away that there's still people out there that won't give you information. I mean, at some point, you're on brokers. Look it up, you know, it's the what? What'd you say? You're on brokers. You know, that happened to me okay. twice. I was like, the more you can teach people, the more you can scale yourself and the more you can expand your business. It doesn't make any sense to like hold people back unless, 
well, now I know the way that certain people operate is that they have to control other people and they don't understand how to be a, a real leader. So that, that's out there for sure. Yeah, I, I recently came across this that I was trying to find certain people to mentor me in, in specific things. And I was reaching out to a bunch of them and they literally came back with stuff like that. And I said, well, what do you do in this situation? And they were like, hey, that that's that sounds complicated. If it's complicated, you just don't do it. And I'm like, but I've, I've done it. So what do I, and then, like just the, the lack of clarity. And then you talk to somebody else that just gives you like these direct answers. And it's like, that's my person, you know? So I, I love that. I think that there's a huge piece that people miss because especially now with like social media and everything, people are out there and everybody looks like an expert. And I think they're selling their courses and they're doing different things. So they want to go and they want to learn from that person, but they don't put enough stock into like, is this a good mentor for me personally though? Do they communicate the way that I need to communicate? Like, do they explain things the way that I am good at learning things? And I think that that makes all the difference. Like any relationship, the way you communicate with somebody can make or break that regardless of what they know. But like, what are their, their ethics and what are their values? And like, where do they, where are they going in this life and what, you know, what goals they have? Because again, no matter who that person is, the five people you're around influence who you become. And so that person, you know, if they even, for example, don't respect your time. So for example, if you're going, okay, I only want to get on the phone twice a day. And then you have somebody that is uh, mentoring you or that's involved with you somehow. And they're, they're texting, 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 calling, 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 like totally disrespecting your time. It doesn't even matter if you're like the student or if you're the, the upper person or whatever. It's just that, uh, that common respect, I think, uh, that's important in, in your values of maybe you value your free time more than some other people. That's okay. You know, you don't need to feel bad about it. Um, or like, you know, for me, justice is a huge important factor in my life. And so I'm not somebody that is okay with uh, going through abuse or being, you know, squeezed in a corner and then just dealing with it. Like, that's not okay. And I don't think that other people should have to go through that either. So being involved with people that it tends to be that our like soul connection seems to be that we both at the end of the day, when things get tough, we both stand up and put our foot down and say, no, like, we're not going to do that. So for each person, your, your thing is different. Right. But, you know, finding that in those people you surround yourself with. Yeah. So, so you should never have to feel bad for being you, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's amazing. You know, and there's Matt Sarah, my, my jujitsu coach, he always says water finds its own level. And I feel like you start to spot that. And, and the second I saw you on Instagram, I forget how exactly I, I found you or we found each other, but right away I was like, that's somebody who is just kicking ass and is going to continue to do so. I was like, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'm going to start following her journey. And then like all the travel. And I was like, I'm glad like I, I came across that, but I felt like there was a reason. And the stuff that you're talking about, I think is so important too, because my business partner is a very strong female. And she's said a lot of those things over the years that she doesn't talk a lot. And like to me, I mean, I get an earful all day long because she's always giving me info and talking me out of bad ideas and stuff, but she's one of the most brilliant people I've met. And it took me forever to see it because she said in like the business world, like as a female, she was getting shut down a lot. And she was, and it came to the point that she just kind of stopped trying. And I was like, but you have such great info and it comes from such a great place. And I didn't even realize that there was, you know, such a problem with that. So when I saw that you're someone out there who's like doing these great things and you're so outspoken on helping females, I was like, I definitely want to get her on because I know firsthand, like some of the mistakes that I made, if I didn't have a strong, smart female that was able to talk sense into me literally on a daily basis where I would be. So I'd love to hear more about what you're doing to help on that mission. Cause I think it's, it's extremely important. So you've caught me at a really good time because I just spent some time to actually like get real, you know, like, okay, what, what are we doing? And, and every time I travel, it's the same thing as trying to figure that out. Like, what am I doing and where am I headed? And am I distracted in, in doing this and this and this, or 
you know, what, what's going on. And so, you know, a lot of it is I'm kind of on this precipice right now of uh, being stuck on the capitalism hamster wheel, you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, I'm going to keep working to make money and make more money, make more money. But like, what am I really doing it for? Like, what is the purpose? Because like, if I made $60 million or $15 million or whatever, like I have a check on my vision board for like, what, what does that give me that I don't already have now? And so it, it actually doesn't, you know, if anything, what money does that I've learned again, someone said it in the right words, money gives you the comfort that you need to work on yourself. And so once you're able to work on yourself, then you can be a light for other people and influence other people in a way that helps them to grow. So really I've spent quite a bit of time in therapy, quite a bit of time, you know, with friends like this that make me really think about what am I doing? Am I being purposeful and et cetera. So like, I'm in a point in time right now where I'm trying to figure out, okay, like exactly how does my business affect uh, the women that I want to help? How does it affect the old Kaylee when I was at a different stage in life, you know, okay, there's a lot of things missing from my business. And so that's going to have to be patched up by partnering with other people. So right now uh, I realized that, you know, a crowdfunding offering that I had was shut down and it was actually really shitty that it had to happen, but it happened for a reason, I think, because we didn't have the full offering. So for example, someone should be able to read our offering and go, oh, I understand what they're doing. Their ecosystem takes someone that doesn't even understand uh, basic financial education about how to balance a checkbook, you know, how to have financial conversations to get yourself a raise when you're working, uh, very basic stuff. And then the next level is saying, okay, now I want to uh, get out of debt. I want to make sure that not, not just having a budget, but I want to get rid of debt so I have more freedom to do what I want with my money. And then you get to the point where you're ready to invest. And, and like sometimes the debt and the investing is in tandem. It's not always one after the other. But now partnering with other women that already have organizations where they take care of each of those pieces of that puzzle, mine does not. Mine simply provides deal flow. And so I can only get involved in that um, ecosystem, that end-to-end -end solution once someone has kind of gone through the process and then they go, okay, now I've got 6,000, 12,000, 20,000, whatever to invest. And then I have to figure out a way to have a vehicle, this crowdfunding uh, that can take lower amounts of money um, without being impossible for us uh, on a regulatory basis. And so I've already been figuring out that piece of the puzzle, but then all these pieces are missing. So actually coming back now, what I spent time with being gone was reaching out to these organizations and saying, okay, you already provide basically a group level, you know, finance 101, some things that, you know, no one, I never got ever in college or anywhere and, and have a uh, affordable format to be able to have women go through this process. Then the ones that are ready to get out of debt, there's a one-on-one -on -one coach that will work with them that basically is going to keep pushing you and, and, and keep you accountable until your debt is paid off uh, and, and show you creative ways to do that. Then the next level is basically saying, okay, I want to invest in uh, the biggest wealth creator that creates 93% of millionaires, which is real estate. It's not specifically apartments, um, but let's look at what's available, what makes cash flow, and my app is part of that, but also Marielle's program, she goes through that, figuring out then based on your time and your money situation, like are you better to be a limited partner or an active partner and what kind of deals and what level do, you know, can you invest in, and then basically once they're ready from her training to invest in say multifamily, then I would be able to provide the deal flow. So, so really, um, all these partnerships are really going to be the core part of my business that's going to be changing really soon here. So it's, it's really good timing that you're asking me this question right now, um, because what I saw myself doing um, when I was not dependent on money uh, to live a life, what, what do I want to do? Okay, I really enjoy travel. I really enjoy getting to know other people. I really enjoy working with women in situations where they don't think that they're heard and no one, or no one's seeing them and, and no one cares. They're trafficked. Or, you know, like me, they've, they've been through things, you know, and 
uh, being able to directly be involved with, with those individuals is what I really want to do with my life. And so if I'm building a business that creates this ecosystem, I mean, we're already feeding that. And then there's on the low end where I'm still not, I'll, I'll strategize on this part, but we've got to take women that are involved in like non-for-profits essentially, uh, who are getting basic uh, places to live. Like I are starting to work with refugees, but I'm kind of like uh, testing that model out a little bit to see like, what do they need and what non-for-profits can we um, partner with uh, that we can eventually feed up this chain. Um, or there's a lady in the UK that I met that she calls it like the property ladder, you know? So it's essentially like, anyway, um, how, how do we help them and elevate themselves um, through our ecosystem? And so anyway, it's interesting that you asked me that question right now, because that's definitely, that's the focus. I think that that's awesome. And you, you're creating a really great thing for people professionally and personally. And the, the word that you finished on there. So you, you ended that with focus, though. And I think, you know, when we were first starting to talk, I was wondering about that because I was like, man, she's in all these different things. And that's become a lot of my problem is trying to focus on one thing. And that obviously takes away from everything else. What do you do? I know you talked about your vision board, you talked about mindset. And I think having that kind of mapped out, I'm a visual person. So having all those things there is important. What do you do to make sure you keep yourself on track and you figure out what to focus on and not get pulled in all those different directions throughout the day? Because it sounds like there's all kinds of different conversations you could be having and they all could potentially be leading towards something financially good or a good relationship. But obviously you're trying to focus with your eye on the prize right now. Yeah, I mean, the hardest part is that I do have one friend that uh, like has a brain that's doing this, you know, and so he's always giving me awesome ideas or I have ideas and he's like, you should start a company. And it's like, I can't start seven companies. So <laughs> right, right now, what is what is feeding me and what I understand and it makes sense is commercial real estate syndication. So, okay, let's stick with that. But what are some auxiliary pieces that already are, uh, that, that maybe are missing from the industry of what I already do? And so I go look at everybody else and I'm going, okay, well, so obviously no one's focused on uh, what makes up 10% of executives in multifamily real, or commercial real estate, which is women. Um, nobody is focused on the fact that uh, hedge funds, for example, perform 30% better when women are actually the ones that are fund managers. Uh, nobody is focusing on and certain metrics that basically show me that, you know, if we like, for example, I forget where the study came from, but um, basically 80% of women said that they would take income that they make and put it back into the community where it's 40% of men. And so I'm like, why are we giving women more money? I don't get it. Like, so, so what can I do to focus on this, which actually you know, is something that comes full circle for me because, you know, me being able to get out of a place where I wasn't taking care of myself to get into real estate, to be able to take care of myself. Um, and then being able to uh, figure out ways that I can show that to other ladies, um, as a part of our system. So that's what I did was I said, okay, so we figured out the syndication business. Now let's figure out a way to feed in my mission. Um, because that should be the most important differentiator to make us stand out. And I'm not saying that I'm going to be for everybody or that everybody believes in what we believe in. And, you know, hopefully that it's, it's not necessarily a political belief. So hopefully it's not completely polarizing, but uh, we just choose to focus on an area that I believe is going to be good for um, the business itself. So really that's been, been the focus. And then, so when you're looking at that, for example, okay, how could we be different and be better? Um, some things that my female partners and I have talked about is pouring back into the community. And so not just, um, you know, saying that we're going to donate like a check or something, but literally like I've talked to three other syndication, syndication ladies uh, that are out there and they already have the same vision where we're like, how do we use our women owned business, small business enterprise, minority owned business statuses to be able to get infrastructure money, government money 
to put into our community centers. So where we have single parents being able to have education or sorry, after school education um, and uh, also daycare essentially provided for them, not free of cost, but on a sliding scale. Sweden already does this where the government already pays for a certain portion, but we'd like to be able to figure out a way to bring that into all of our communities. And what we're thinking is, so basically you're just trying to figure out, you know, we already know this, how do we do it better? And how do we do it uh, in a lens, every decision that we make that is for that why, which for us is empowering women financially through, uh, sorry, through commercial real estate. So uh, anything that like I just have a mission, vision, values. And so everything that we're doing moving forward, if it's in alignment with that, yes, we can do it. But the biggest thing is when you have new projects, for example, the book that I wrote, or when you have new projects, like uh, we need uh, someone that's going to run um, just going going for the grants, you know, or so, so now we need an individual that is going to, to, to be tasked with that. And so that's the biggest part of right now is the scale in saying, okay, so we have this core business that, you know, basically buys apartments and makes uh, fees from it, uh, has tax advantages, has certain ways that we make income. How do we reuse that income to then uh, assign certain projects that we need to do, um, we need to accomplish to be able to get to our full ecosystem of, of, uh, of, um, of a business and offerings, you know, cause I can't do it all. So it's just trying to figure out what, what is in alignment with our, our mission, vision, values uh, that we need next uh, that we can, um, we can scale and get into, I suppose. That's awesome. I, I think everything you're doing is extremely inspiring. On the oh, And sorry, so if anything pops up that you're like, oh, we could do this. So for example, this keeps happening with tech. Like I don't have a background in tech and I've tried to go to conferences and kind of start learning how I learned multifamily basically, but it's not the same hands-on business. It's, it's just different. And so instead of doing it myself, like I was mentioning, it's like, let's figure out how to get the, it's not about how, it's about who, let's get that person who understands how does this tech help women feel safer on our properties? How does this tech, again, I was in alignment with our mission. I have a security company now, same thing. Like, like, how does this protect and empower women? Uh, if that's the case, let's find a person, bring them in, and then have them build that that thing. You know, so sorry to interrupt, but yeah. no, no, it's totally cool. I like that you're, you're focused, but still do new things. Now that's awesome that you're building up, and and, it, and it's all related things. So you're you're strategically piling it on. You're not doing things that are taking you off of your total course. I think that that's awesome. You got to figure out something, do it well, and then go. Okay, now we have an SOP, your standard operating procedure for what we're doing. Now we can go to that next thing and and layer it on. Yeah. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Yeah, and I think exactly like you said, I'm always using the word black belts, you know, whatever anybody is, I'm always trying to find the black belt because I know how much they've already been through and how they've already made those mistakes. And I think yeah. people, 
try and find the low hanging fruit or the cheaper option. And it's like, you're going to wind up going to this person eventually anyway. Like don't waste the time. Don't waste that's the money. Where, it right. That's where all the competition lies anyway. So, you know, just be, be like no one else. Yeah. I love that. As far as your, your multifamily strategy, talk a little bit about the types of deals you're putting together, how the syndications work. And then I definitely want to talk about how people can use things like do, doing 1031 exchanges, using their retirement to invest in some of your projects. Yeah. So uh, one thing I think that we're doing is sticking to like very core uh, belief systems as far as like how the value add project um, should, should work or has worked in the past. So, you know, instead of getting distracted, a lot of people are moving towards B class. So again, we, we do workforce housing. We do, uh, or we invest in properties that have individuals that say work at like GM or, you know, they work at a Coca-Cola plant, that kind of uh, employee um, and so they're not looking to spend a ton and have luxury. Uh, they're not looking to live, live in a total dump, but they're looking to live in a, in a place that's reasonable uh, and safe for their families. So um, one thing that we've noticed is that the biggest thing over time is always having adequate reserves. So you always want to have enough money stacked up. Um, you want to make sure that you don't have your property over leveraged. Um, that's something that has bit people in the butt pretty hard in the past. And so I've had some advice from some experienced lenders of what that looks like as far as what is over leverage. Um, and then not only reserves and leverage, but then also what is your, your basis and what is the spread between what you're buying it at and versus what you're going to sell it at? Uh, or for example, what are you buying at? And uh, how do I say this um, in a very uh, easy way to understand? So basically how low are you getting the property for versus what you could resell it for uh, within a couple of years? And so if, if that spread is huge, uh, you have some room to make mistakes, you know, and you have some room for like a COVID to happen, or you have some room for, you know, bad people or like, like stuff happens, you know, sometimes in these deals, that's why there's risk to them. Um, so I guess sticking to those principles, if you will, of, you know, having adequate or lower than normal leverage, uh, and, and I'm not being extreme here, I'm just saying not over leveraging it, uh, making sure we have adequate reserves. And so we always over raise, we always lock stuff up in an, an interest bearing account. Um, and then also making sure that our entry basis or the price we're buying it at uh, is something to where based on what we're buying it at, what we're gonna sell it at or refinance it at, that there is, there's some room to screw up. So uh, I think sticking to those principles is pretty, it's, it's from other mentors that I've had or people I've learned from that's, that has stand, stood the test of time, 08, 09, whatever. I mean, it really has worked. Um, now it's just about, okay, like don't get distracted, stick to those principles. And then how in the heck do we find properties is that at that low of a basis that are not like, pardon my French, complete s-holes, you know, like they're just <laughs> like people are pack, passing crack pipes through the walls and they're D-class, you know, how do you figure that out? So uh, some of it's part of experience where if you're able to look at certain things and you say, okay, yeah, it's got some hair on it, but like there's a major potential. So for example, if there's like an operating problem or if there's a property management problem, or if maybe something happened in that market, for example, a hurricane hit and that had residual effects, but the hurricane's over and they've now collected insurance proceeds, but you know, people are scared to invest there. Looking for opportunities really is, is how we have found those properties that are um, going to be uh, that reasonable purchase price basis. Um, and there are not a lot of them. That's far and few in between. Uh, and another way that we've kind of found them where my, my fund is focused is, or our fund, sorry, is focused is on secondary markets because in Texas, uh, Texas is a landlord business and tax friendly state period, no matter where you invest. Um, it's definitely a place where people have pride where they want to stay employed uh, as just an attitude that they have here. 
Uh, it's also a place where, um, depending on where in the state you're buying, you may be able to completely avoid, you know, big hurricanes, floods, things like that. Um, and there's a lot of businesses moving here because of the landlord tax and business friendly status that we maintain. So um, finding uh, finding properties has happened for us in, in markets where um, they're basically uh, more of like mom and pop operators in those areas uh, to where over COVID, they didn't understand how to do marketing professionally. They don't understand how to put together a, a website where you can track your visitors. They don't understand um, how to implement certain new things that are involved in like tech or certain ways that we can not necessarily have to have a front office. We don't necessarily have to, like we can have amazing customer service from a team in the Philippines that's constantly on the phone with them, getting their maintenance requests answered and making sure things are happening um, versus having like four people sitting in an office who really don't give a rip, you know? So there's there's different ways to do things as a as a professional business. And that has a big advantage coming into those, those markets. So sticking to principles and focusing on markets that are kind of uh, overlooked, if you will, in Texas is a good strategy we found. I think that that's really smart. And it's interesting what, when the mindset comes in, I think it's such a huge piece for everything, but a lot of people have conversations every day that people are looking for multifamily and Florida and Texas are where people are constantly looking. And it's almost like when you buy a car and then you see the car everywhere, you start getting interested in multifamily real estate. And then everywhere you look, everybody's like syndicating deals or doing deals. So if you use that the wrong way, you could say, well, I probably missed the boat and there's no deals out there. But I feel like on a daily basis, we have to tell yourself that the nice part about multifamily versus residential is you don't need a hundred apartment buildings every year to have a great year. You could literally get like one or two sick deals and those will feed you for a long time and you could psych yourself out there. So the fact that you're saying you're still out there in probably one of the most competitive markets at one of the most competitive times, and you're still locking in deals that are hitting that, that those parameters and those, those, you know, those, those symmetries and getting those numbers that you need to still make a profit, I think is, is very important for people to hear that there are deals out there, but you obviously have to be patient. You have to be disciplined. How do you handle some of the deals that don't pan out or some of the deals that don't get accepted or some of the stuff that goes wrong? Because it gets easy to beat yourself down too sometimes in some of those days of multifamily. I, I have had a number of them that like you get those calls and it's like, oh, you know, but you got to just shake it off and go back. Because like you said, now you have other people's money on the line. You have a reputation, you have a fund. So, you know, it, it's, it's just something you got to keep kind of picking yourself back up on. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you so far, um, knock on wood, I guess we, we say a lot of no's preliminarily. And a lot of those no's come from experience of what doesn't work. And honestly, listening to other people who have already done it and uh, like, like actively done it. They're not just giving you advice out of a book they read, but they, they <laughs> did it for years. And they're like, look, like, you know, if, if you're running this expense ratio, if you're doing this, or if, for example, if there's no value la add left in the actual physical units, like, how are you going to upcharge for like blinds? You know what I mean? Like you actually need a nicer kitchen. You know, there's certain things that just will not get you the rent bumps uh, that you need to have on the property. So a lot of the times uh, preliminarily we're like, you can just kind of do a, a, a quick look of the offering. I shoot the broker like two questions and that will pretty much tell me if we even want to bother moving forward, underwriting it. Uh, then now what we're working on is having five, I and mean, I'd like to get to 10 of us underwriting deals at once so we can blow through stuff really fast um, because it was two for a while. And anyway, so we're kind of working with new women that come in that like had gone through an underwriting training program um, and they want to have shots at underwriting deals. And then weekly we have a CRM that we kind of go through uh, what deals uh, are we wanting to spend more time on or what are we going to go to the next phase with or uh, whatnot. So, you know, basically you just have to have like the scale, if you will. So you just don't feel bad about it. So instead of having one person that's underwriting, 
like typically what I saw, a broker asked me this not too long ago, like how many deals do you underwrite before you actually close on something? And it's about 87 or 90 deals or so um, before we actually get to get in front of something. And I'm working on making that ratio better by literally just focusing on the broker's relationships because uh, all the stuff I did in the beginning, like a single family uh, deal where you're trying to do slide dialers, you're trying to do mailers, you're trying to do emails, you're trying to do all this stuff that might work one in a bazillion and you're spending a ton of money. But if it was me on the phone and I was actually, per I'm preferring to go tour deals and just to speak with brokers and to raise money from investors. Um, I don't want to be on the phone with someone that I have no idea their capability to close. I have no idea who the heck they are, you know, um, and I'm not going to spend the time to go ask for proof of funds and bet them and whatever, because everybody wants multifamily. So um, I would, I always send them through a broker that I have a relationship with and the brokers, um, if you can get on a text basis with them, get enough of a friendship there where you're like, Hey dude, text me if you have something or if you have an idea, or if you're just, I want to know about your kids or whatever that really helps. And then uh, what I have found is like kind of our secret sauce. And I paused on it for a minute because we have two deals under contract and we need to close those things down. And then I'd like to get another big one under contract, probably like a 440 unit or 500 units or something before the end of the year so we can meet our goal. Um, and that will take a, a large focus of, of raise. But point is, is when I'm meeting with these brokers, figuring out a creative way to praise them and to boost that relationship. You always wanna make other people feel good when they're with you because then they'll remember you and complimenting like, you know, how often they're able to list and sell deals for other people. You know, what is your favorite type of buyer to work with? Um, your company is so awesome, whatever. And to get them to talk more about the, basically uh, bottom line, get them to talk more about the repeat sellers that they keep working with because those people are sophisticated enough to look at their whole portfolio and go, oh yeah, I could, I could sell another one. And they're conditioned to know the whole process and it's not going to be difficult and they're not going to change their mind in the middle of it. They're not going to pull some, you know, I do deal with a lot of unsophisticated sellers because we are in these secondary markets. So there are some things that they always pull that's kind of like, dude, seriously. Um, but it, that's part of the territory. You know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Uh, but having buyers and sellers, or sorry, sellers that have done it before is really, really good. And then just poking that broker or not poking, but uh, talking to them on a regular basis where you're like, okay, so Bob or uh, Ebby or whoever, you know, I know that he's got six properties and you had mentioned a while ago, paying attention and writing notes and following up on those notes. Uh, you know, I had noticed that you had said that they had a deal in El Paso, um, you know, has, where's that deal at right now? And so what my um, associate and I do, Erica, is that we noticed that after asking all the brokers, uh, following up with them any more than two weeks is annoying as hell. So they're like, don't, don't bug me. Cause I was like, I mean, I'm like the follow-up queen. But there's a point where they start blocking your emails. They're like, okay, you're looking for this unicorn and they, they start hating you. So uh, what we actually do is I have her follow up on the 15th and I follow up on the first. So we follow up every other week, but it's a different person. And she's got a totally different personality than me. She's like super warm and friendly and Hey y'all, what's up? You know, she's like from the country and like, she's just different. And so we're going to open up a different set of people, you know? Um, so that's been uh, a key tactic is alternating. And so really I'm only following up once a month, but we're, you know, doing that. And then uh, asking the broker more about these other people they've already done repeat business with and trying to kind of stay on them about, you know, what's coming up. Because then instead of going on an on-market deal with like 30 buyers, uh, you're then competing against like two others and they know you can close. So that's also another important part is like having a team of people that have a track record of closing, uh, whether it's you or whether it's your buddies or whatever, but uh, then they, they know you're good for it, you know? So 
Uh, it is very hard, very competitive for sure. But like, if you can't figure out a way to pivot and figure out a way to make it work, um, you're going to miss out on deals. And I would say that multifamily trades, like uh, sells and buys or whatever, or purchase, you know what I'm saying? Like trades uh, all year long versus a single family where, you know, summertime's hot, wintertime's dead. Um, and so, you know, you have to kind of stay on it consistently. So uh, sorry, that was a long answer, but that, that's some secret sauce, honestly, that's taken me a couple of years to figure out. And we, we have a list right now of off-market deals and even brokers will tell you when you use that language with them, they're like, we don't do that. We don't do off-market deals. We don't uh, reach out to our preferred list first. Bullcrap, they all do it. And so how to get there is just, like I said, be on a text basis with them, uh, follow up with them on a reasonable basis, really good communication uh, about what's going on in their life as a human. That's, that's probably the biggest breakthrough I've made. If you're, if you're asking about them as a human, you don't even need to talk business and they will send you stuff, you know? So I think that there's so many great lessons and so many <laughs> nuggets in that. That was an outstanding answer. And I love what you did with the follow-up and changing the personality. I think that that's a huge takeaway for anybody listening. So I appreciate that answer. As far as people that are, are listening and they're going, well, how do I get involved? I know you have things that you do with 1031s, you use retirement. So talk a little bit about how you work with people that are in those positions. So again, we always want to be in alignment with what our mission vision is. And so one way that I thought, okay, hmm, how do we get women from single family, for example, that may be in California and New York in a place where their money doesn't go very far uh, and bring them into multifamily where they could potentially 2X their net worth really quick by being involved in a much larger project, uh, that would be 1031 exchanges. And so we can still do those right now. So since that's the case, we actually have a standard operating procedure where I just send you exactly how the whole thing works and exactly who to hire, who we work with, how it goes. And it, cause it can be a very complicated process, but essentially uh, we've done that successfully twice now. We're, we're working on another one where you're rolling your money tax-free from single family into multifamily. And so that's a way that I've been able to take women, especially couples too, and, and move them uh, into, into a multifamily uh, and also um, help them to save taxes. So we have a 1031 program um, for that uh, particular uh, thing. That's awesome. And your, your link tree has so many resources on it, so many different things to go to. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to put all those show notes in there. So anybody listening, I'll, I'll have a link up to your Instagram and they can kick, click on your link tree and see episodes you were on and tools and all kinds of things. I know you said you had some calculators and stuff on there. And uh, another thing that I wanted you to touch on that I thought was interesting is you, is there's a blurb on your link tree for five methods to limit your risk in multifamily. What are a, a couple of those just to give people some examples? Uh, five, I can't remember, uh, five, <laughs> what was it? Five ways to limit your risk. Five methods to limit, to lessen your risk in multifamily. You know, I'm not going to know exactly what that said, because I think that my, um, writer, I can edit, edit that whole part out. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, a couple ways to reduce risk, like I already mentioned is having reserves, making sure that you're buying at a lower basis. Um, making sure that, uh, not lower basis, making sure that you're buying at a basis that's much lower than what you could sell it for. Uh, making sure that, um, you know, a big way to avoid risk, honestly, is um, going to an experienced individual uh, and asking them how do they structure their operating agreements and how do they structure their PPMs, because I've had to go through so many iterations of like working with so many different attorneys and gone through multiple lawsuits myself to go through and go, oh my God, there were gaping holes in these agreements that didn't protect the investors. They didn't protect the partners. They didn't, they didn't even put like a, what we call a buy sell in there. So for example, if someone gets pissed off because people are litigious in America, then like, how do we eject them and pay them? And here's the steps to do that. Like, that's not even in there that 
that's like basic divorce 101 like it has mm -hmm. to be in there and you can't put your head in the sand and not think about those things ahead of time so i would say going to you know like i have a version now that is probably my most polished version of an operating agreement that i feel comfortable um putting together a deal where like we don't sue we don't go after certain things to like get back at other partners or, or other limited partners because you know again our job as fiduciaries is to be able to make sure that like the, the company pot stays whole you know and that people get paid out on time like it's really our job so anyway so i would say that that's another big thing to mitigate risk and then don't over leverage so um right now what's what what is happening that's interesting um, is that like even now, like we're working with debt funds. And so when we're getting loans, we're able to do bridge loans. And so bridge loans are like, could be a little risky. Um, but if you're going into a bridge situation that's non-recourse, which are available now, we have two of them going on right now. Um, so that meaning that uh, if something happens that the project doesn't bankrupt um, all the people involved, that basically it goes back to the bank and that's it. Um, it, it like having, um, and you can also have a bridge that's not, so non-recourse is, is cool. And then another thing that's cool is that if you can get a two plus two, so you can sometimes ask for, and if you have a really, really strong guarantor, you can kind of ask for whatever. So we have one on purpose for that reason, uh, but you could get two years uh, of basically debt. Um, so depending on if you're doing construction or not, anyway, you can get two years and then basically two years worth of extensions. And so for me personally, um, I believe that based on some tips that I've gotten from um, the Perot companies and from um, a couple of other companies where the uh, I'm, I'm in, in, in good with the people that work there and they have their own analysts, they have their own economists, uh, that 2023 is going to be kind of a shit show. Um, and to be able to be ready for that, uh, what would happen is that I need to make sure that my loans extend beyond that year. So for example, if, because banks might tighten up, for example, if we have certain draws that we're needing to be uh, given out by the bank so we can finish our construction, uh, we want to make sure that we can extend beyond there being trouble time. Um, so if I'm going into a deal now in 21, um, I'm wanting it to be say 22, 23. So a minimum right now of like three years worth of term. Um, and then hopefully with some extensions. All right. That was the A-Game podcast. I apologize again for the abrupt, uh, <laughs> the abrupt finish there. We got a little disconnected and had some trouble getting back on, but we got a lot of the business stuff, uh, the nuts and bolts of the real estate, what she's doing with multifamily. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to, uh, to some more great guests that we have lined up, some episodes that they have recorded. I hope, again, you guys have been enjoying this podcast, and I'm looking to engage more for the things that you guys are looking for. So please see nickandnick.com slash links, join our face group, and post topics you want to learn, questions you have on specific things, and I am happy to get people on to answer those questions specifically or um, to answer them uh, with some of the, the experts in the in the field there to get them on and have them answer questions. I won't have to see your name if you're shy, whatever it is, but let's get on there and make that a great community in 2022. So that's the thing. People message me all the time. They want to know, hey, can you mentor me? Can you help me? And I tell them, look, go post questions on my Facebook group and I will answer them directly because I'm sure if you have the questions, other people have questions too and uh, people shy away from doing it, but it's great resources there for you, not for me. So hopefully you guys uh, take advantage of that. We can get some dialogue and I get to meet you guys. So looking forward to it. Thanks very much. Shout out to everybody. Have a great week.